Welcome back to Any Given Thursday. I'm Max. And I'm David. And today we're going for another edition of our Club Spotlight series. This is the fourth one. And David is going to pitch me Austria Vienne. Yeah, Austria Vienne. Wonderful club situated in the beautiful country of Austria, as you might have gathered by the name. I like how they did that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Max, how much Pretty you know? easy to know where the, what country they're from, yeah. right? How much do you know about Austria as a country? Uh, let me see. I know that Vienna is in it, That's and that call. my dad once spent some time there. Ooh, very um, nice. I know that it's next to Germany. Mm-hmm. They have quite the history of Germany as well, that we probably won't get into <laughs> on this podcast. Maybe but... not appropriate for this. Well, I was thinking The Sound of Music. Oh, That's okay. what I was thinking of talking about. But okay. Yeah. But yeah, still Nazis in it, but yeah. Yeah, but we know that they're the bad guys in that movie. So yeah. <laughs> pretty clear about that point. <laughs> but, yeah, Austria Vienna are one of the biggest clubs in Austrian history. Maybe not so much right now, because they've definitely been passed by Red Bull Salzburg. You'd have to say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they are one of the oldest clubs in the country. They were founded in 1911. Wow. Yeah, which uh, they've been up in the Austrian top division. Ever since. Never relegated? Never relegated. I don't want to do the math to figure out how many exact years that is, but I can tell you it makes them the fourth longest uninterrupted spell in a top flight. Current uninterrupted spell in a top flight. Only Celtic, Inter, and Aberdeen have been up longer. How about that? Yeah, I didn't expect that. doesn't apply to the Spanish team. Isn't the Spanish teams been Mm -hmm. that way too? No. Maybe they're not old enough. Not as old, I guess. Yeah. This is the thing that, you know, that, that Madrid, Barca, and Bilbao have never been relegated. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess there must have been something that stopped it from being as long as since 1911. I don't know when the Spanish League was founded. Yeah, so it must have been after, it yeah. There are also a few Northern Irish clubs that would claim they've been in there longer, but... But that's Northern, not a real country. Yeah. No. It also didn't exist as a league <laughs> for a while, so they were in the Irish uh, League, and okay. it's, like, weird to be, like... Yeah. You know, having moved to a different league, does it still count? Yeah, it's like if Vienne had claimed for 20 years that, or 20 years of this period, they were in the Bundesliga. Yeah. But just the, just the Eastern European teams, the West, the Eastern German. This is not my podcast. <laughs> Fucked up. Yeah, you kind of lost it I a lost little the, bit there. The but it's okay. But, but you know who also is tied for them in fourth for the longest streak in uh, top flights? Rapid Vienne. Yeah. Yeah. Their arch rivals, Rapid Vienne. In, Great uh, stuff. One of the most played derbies in history as well. And it's from the, from videos I've seen, one of the wildest uh, oh, atmospheres. Speaking of being wild, in 2011, they had to call the game off because Rapid fans stormed the pitch in the 26th minute. The 26th minute? The 26th minute That's after so Austria scored. <laughs> That's They're so like, early. No, it's done. The game's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> we can't go back, so we're ending the game they right have to now. forfeit? I don't. I believe so. Yeah. I didn't go back and look at the final they table. They didn't think of that, did they? No. They, didn't, they didn't consider that. Well, maybe it's better to lose by forfeit than to lose from quality. Yeah. But it's actually the third... lose 3-0. Yeah. It's the third most played derby in history. Wow. And uh, the only two with more games in it are, not surprisingly, Scottish. Mm -hmm. The Old Firm and the Edinburgh Derby. Mm. But this one's called the Wiener Derby. (laughs) (laughs) The Wiener Derby. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but I don't care. Probably more like Wiener funny to me. I call uh, it the Wiener Derby. The Wiener Derby. Mm-hmm. And it kind of tells the history of the two clubs, I think, pretty well. The Wiener well. part? The Wiener Derby. Or the der- yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of formed around class. Rapid have always been 
the working class team mm-hmm. in Vienna and Austria Vienna were the elites, the upper class, you know, the the coffee house club, as mm-hmm. people have called them. And they have very conflicting play styles too. Rapid have always been the hard working, like, you know, lump it and run and we're gonna run yeah. all over you. Like a, a good old fashioned English club. Yeah, a good English yeah. A four four two. Yeah, exactly. Brexit ball. Brexit ball. But yeah. in Central Europe. Yeah. <laughs> And Austria have always been this kind of flair, like, you know, very technically gifted. They're going to make you want to watch them, mm-hmm. even if they don't always win. Uh, and so those two have kind of represented, I think, the history of their clubs well in their derby. Rapid have the lead right now, 137 to 117 with 75 draws. But they also won the God, first... so many games. <laughs> yeah, they won the first, I think it was 14 in a row, mm-hmm. which is the longest streak that the derby has ever had. Wow. So it's been pretty back and forth since the early days when Rapid kind of dominated, but yeah. Um, it's not just about Vienna, though. You know, Austria have a long history in Austria. Yeah. I guess. I would suppose so. Yeah. Um, Probably also in Germany. Or whatever Germany was, what was it called in the 19th century? The, uh, the region. Europe? No, whatever. <laughs> Austria Hungary? They were part of yeah, Austria Hungary. Yeah. They weren't part of Germany. Yeah, that's not, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's why you did the research in that name, you know what I mean? Yes. But Austria have won 24 league titles, which is second in Austrian history. Behind? Rapid. Rapid. Dang. Yes. You're picking up on this really quickly. Dang. Rapid have 32 titles. And way behind. Yeah. Their last title was 2011-12, which... Austria? Yes. It's a long time. It is a long time, but that was just before Salzburg had... Yep. completely taken over the league yep. and run rampant over everybody and made it totally uninteresting. Yep. And like they're like halfway to Austria with titles already after like a decade. Yeah. <laughs> they are actually halfway yeah. there, I believe. So I they'll pass I, them. They'll probably pass them in about 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Were you about to ask how Salzburg got good? Because no, it's just how, Red No, I was Bull. about to ask how many titles does Salzburg have, but it doesn't matter. It's not a podcast about Salzburg. Fuck Red Bull. It's Keep talking about Austria. Mm-hmm. So Austria got good, I guess. They started out pretty poor in the 20s and early 10s, and then they got good kind of around the 1930s, right before we all had to pause for World War II in Central Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't play the league for a little bit there. But after World War II, they continued to be kind of on the forefront of Austrian football. And in the 60s, they became a really dominant force. They won five titles mm-hmm. in that decade. And between 1971 and 1993, they stayed the best team. They won 11 titles during that span. So almost every other year, they're winning the title for about 30 years. Uh, and that was probably the best spell in team history. And between 75 and 86, they won eight titles in 11 years. Oh, wow. So they were kind of what Salzburg is now mm-hmm. during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That was Austria Vienna. And they kind of stepped back a little bit in the 90s. But in the early 2000s, they got a big new investment. They even briefly changed their name to Memphis Austrian because of a cigarette company. Named Memphis? Yeah. Oh, dear. And, uh, I thought that went over well. It, it did for the two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a really short-lived big investment, and their owner withdrew in 2005 and took like everything with him. Mm. You know, So the club basically had to restart while trying to stay in the top division. Yeah, we've seen that a lot in, in the UK as well, in that era. Yes. Uh, yeah, guys that just want to drain the resources of a club and then 
and then leave it for dead. Mm-hmm. I think he invested in them thinking it would be like a great way to market. He was involved with the cigarette company. Like a good, it'd be like advertising. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, not to keep coming back to Red Bull, but kind of like Red yeah, Bull right. where you invest in this company, you put your name on it so that people hear the name all the time and they start associating it with something and then they're like, yeah. oh, let me go buy that product that's just in their head. And it did not work with cigarettes the way it has with energy drinks. <laughs> But they managed to kind of bounce back from that pretty well. They've picked up two league titles since 2005, since the owner sold them. Mm. And obviously, Red Bull Salzburg have kind of come in and taken over the league. So two titles in that span, not not bad. But they also have a pretty good European history. Mm-hmm. They were routinely qualifying, obviously, during the later half of the 20th century. And in 1930s, they actually won the Mitropa Cup which this is before the European Cup, right? So this is the Central European Champions. Mm -hmm. So it involved teams from Italy, Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Hungary. So it's in a lot of bigger teams. Interesting. I've not heard of that competition. Yeah, I mean, it stopped being played. Yeah. You know, when the rise of the European Championship. But they were, so they would have been one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best team in Europe. Mm -hmm. Probably like a Spanish team could have beaten them. At the time, maybe the English were probably really good in the 30s. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care about the English. Yeah, I don't know Um, anything about the 30s. But it was a huge, huge title for the team to win. And the star of that side, Matthias Sindler, is considered one of the best forwards and one of the best players from that interwar period. Mm. It's known as the Mozart of football. Oh, my. Der Papierin, Uh I believe, is how you pronounce his other nickname. What does that mean? Don't know. You didn't look it up? <laughs> no. <laughs> just a terrible put, podcaster. Just to put his quality in a bit of context, he was the Austrian sportsman of the century. Oh my. So the best Austrian athlete of the entire 20th century was Matthias Sindelar. That's high praise. He did suffer a kind of uh, suspicious death because oh. he refused to play for a combined German-Austrian national team and died very shortly after... Uh, refusing to do that from carbon monoxide poisoning. Whoa. Yeah. What year? 1939. Wow. A scandal. Yeah. I know. And he was still, like, near his peak, so he could have gone even further. Mm. Kind of a real shame. Wow, that's like a, yeah. that's an interesting story, actually. I want... mm-hmm. Yeah, he's someone we might be able to do, like, a more in-depth deep dive on. Yeah. I didn't want to get too bogged down in just talking about him. So bring on, but... like, a Hitler expert, you know? Well, to talk about to talk about that sort of thing. Plenty of people who claim to be that in our country now. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's interesting because I'm sure there was actually a lot. Maybe not to the, the profile of him, but um, uh, I wonder if there are other instances like that with high, highish, you know, prowess athletes in in and around Germany at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are. I'm sure he wasn't the only one. He was. Probably the most notable, given, disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, given the quality he mm-hmm. had, but he was outspoken-ish against the Nazi party, as outspoken as you could be Yeah. in the 1930s in Austria and not disappear before Yeah. 1939, but That's so trouble, you know, yeah. credit to him for standing up for his beliefs and trying to fight the good fight as much as he could, but yeah. Carbon monoxide is a bitch. It is. <laughs> Shame. Uh, transitioning really well <laughs> to the rest of Austria's European history post World War II with you know the European Cup and the Champions League 
they have participated a lot, but their best performance was all the way in 1978 and 79. They went to the semifinal, took out Dinamo Dresden on the way, Vilaznia Scroder. Scroder? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me the Wieners played the Scroders? <laughs> they did. And who came out on top? The Wieners yeah, finished on top of the Scroders. They usually do. Yeah. That's an Albanian team, for okay. those of you who are wondering. Albanian team. And then they beat Lilstrom. So, you know, it wasn't... Those are teams. It wasn't exactly Murderer's Row on yeah. their way to the semifinal, though Lilstrom were pretty good back then. And then they lost to Malmo okay. in the semifinals. They also made the final of the Cup Winners' Cup the year before that. Mm-hmm. Lost to Anderlecht. Mm-hmm. Four nothing. So, wasn't... Not that good, yeah. No, not that great a performance... But since 2000, they have been fairly regular group stage participants in at least the Europa League. Mm-hmm. And seven appearances there, so you know, once every like three years, they make the group stages and then usually bounce out on qualifying or just don't make it because they've been kind of up and down mm-hmm. in the league sometimes. They only managed to get out of the groups on one occasion. Really? Yeah. Only once? Only once. I wouldn't have guessed that. Mm-hmm. In 04 and 05, a group with Utrecht, Club Bruges, Dnipro and Real Zaragoza. Okay. They were five teams mm-hmm. in the groups back then. And they went on a kind of little mini run. They took out Bilbao. Mm. They got a second shot at Zaragoza and beat them. And then they lost to Parma in the quarterfinal. So that actually is a yeah, little a bit good, of a murderer's row for Europa it's League. It's a good, yeah. It's a good list for, for the time. Mm-hmm. Weird that they, I, I would have guessed that they would be a little more successful. I mean, until this last decade when they've been buried by Red Bull. Like yeah. I figured they'd have a little more success than that. I think Austria and the Austrian League is one of those that we feel like should be better mm-hmm. because it's a relatively rich country. It's in a football-mad part of the world. And like a lot of the less rich countries around it have good teams mm-hmm. in them. But it hasn't been dominated by mm-hmm. one club, so no one was able to get consistent money and build a consistent foothold and brand mm-hmm. on the European level, I think, is part of the issue. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that a little bit later in this episode, I think. Um, they have made one Champions League group stage since 2000. It was 13-14. And they came fourth behind Porto, Atletico, and Zenit. But they did pick no up... No shame there. No, they picked up five points, too. Nice. They yeah. finished last with five. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. That's pretty competitive group. Though. Yeah, it was. Um, last year, though, it wasn't good for them mm-hmm. in Europe. They went out in the second qualifying round to Rithlopic. What? The Icelandic team. What? Yeah. They went out to an Icelandic team? Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah, not good. Wow, that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, did everybody get fired? Uh, the manager did. They have a new manager this year. Or maybe he took over partly through last year. I don't know. It's Manfred Schmidt, uh-huh. who he used to play for them, actually. Okay. His only other manager experience as the, the lead of a club was with Schwanenstadt. Schwanenstad? Schwanenstad. And they he did, didn't last long. Mm. It was like a one or two year appointment. And since then, though, he's been a main assistant, mostly under Peter Stoger, who managed at Köln and Dortmund briefly. And then he went back to Köln under Anfang and was their caretaker manager for a little bit in the kind of in-between period after Anfang was fired. And he came back to... Austria-Vienne, when Stoger was their manager last year, 
and now he's taken over as the lead guy. Now the Stoger's at Fernvarsh. Cool. Um, That's another club. It is another club. So, you know, Stoger's career maybe not going the way he wants it to, mm-hmm. but now is a chance for Schmidt to Schmidt kind of build his own legacy. Mm-hmm. But back to their more recent performances, since they won the league title, they've mostly been third or fourth. They've qualified for Europe five times, so that's about every other year. Mm-hmm. You know, more likely than not, they are to qualify, but it's barely, yeah, barely more likely. Last year they came third, but how many spots did they in Austria? There are five spots in five Austria spots. right now. Oh, I really? think there were four before uh-huh. the Conference League, and now there are five. Two to Champions League qualifiers, or just one? Two to Champions League qualifiers, one to Europa League, and two to Conference League, I believe. Okay. There were three teams are guaranteed group stage right uh-huh. now at this point. Okay. So That's all decent. those teams will get into some group stage, and then two teams have to go through Conference League qualifiers. Mm. But we'll talk about how they did this year as a country a little bit later, because mm-hmm. it hasn't been superb. Yeah. You know? Um we loved Vaduz on this podcast, so we'll, they'll come up a little bit later. But last year, they did also go out to a second division side in the Cup, which oh, was no. pretty embarrassing. And Cups as a whole were rough for them last year. <laughs> you know, losing to Brithelblick in the Champions yeah. League qualifiers and a second division team not good. in the domestic Cup, not good. But this season, things uh, weren't looking so great at the start. <laughs> Dude, this season, the, also bad. Yeah. Their first seven games, they only had six points. Oh. And they'd allowed the third most goals in the league. Uh. Yeah. But they had played Salzburg and Lask mm-hmm. as part of that, who are probably the two best teams this year. So you're like, okay, you know, maybe that's why they just had a rough, you know, draw to start the year. But they also lost to Altac, who are currently bottom. Mm. And they drew Austria Klagenfurt, who are also off to a terrible start. Mm. So they were heavily underperforming their XG conceded and created. So mm. it was like, you know, a bit of bad luck, but a bit also of maybe you're just not conceding. You're over-conceding really good chances that aren't being accounted for in XG. Like, it's a goal that a guy's going to score three times out of four, but actually it's only like, oh, it's .5 because, you know, actually kind of works like that sometimes. They kind of undersell some shots, oversell others, and then taking a lot of bad shots as well where it's like yeah you'll get some xg for it but you're never actually scoring that Mm. yeah um they did just have two easier games leading into the break though reed and hartberg who are second and third from bottom and they put in really good performances they won three nothing in both those games had over 20 shots in both games over 60 percent possession in both games just maybe a chance to kind of turn things around where are they in the league right now? That brought them up to fifth. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Only two points above ninth, though. Okay. So, so it's, it's packed in right there. It is really packed in. And I don't know if you know the way the Austrian league works. I believe they have a championship and relegation round. They do. And unlike some leagues, because of the number of teams that make Europe, once you're in that group, you're locked into being one through six or mm-hmm. seven through 12. Right. So if they don't get into the it's my laundry you can come get yeah we'll come back we can just start from there so max i don't know if you know how the austrian league works i don't know anything about the austrian league except for all the things that i do know yeah 
but you do know that it splits at one point, right? Yes. Yes. So they have a championship group, run a relegation group. Right, right. And that split is after 22 games. So we're almost halfway there. Mm. And oh, it's that early? It's that early. So you play everybody twice, and then you split in to your groups and play each of them twice. Interesting. I believe. And so with Austria sitting fifth, they really need to keep good performances going to make sure that they stay up. Because they're only two points above ninth. Yeah. What's the how many teams are there? What's the cutoff? Twelve. And oh, six. in the yeah, six. six and six. Six and six, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, so they really need to keep these performances going, but it's going to be tough because their next four games are Lask, mm-hmm. Rapid Vienna, mm-hmm. Salzburg, mm-hmm. and Sturm Graz. Oh, so that's nice. first, second, third, and your main rivals. <laughs> nice. It's going to be a tough run yeah. of games for them because they have to do that well balancing their European fixtures. Mm-hmm. These are huge games for them, given how tight the middle of the league is right now. Right. So I could see them not making the championship group. Do you whip a sacking? I mean, if they lose those four games, which is a very real possibility, mm-hmm. I feel like you almost have to. Yeah. 12 points from 13 games. Yeah. I don't think... And probably out of Europe by that point, too. Yeah. Because they play um, the big team in their group back-to-back next time Villarreal so that's who they have in the third and fourth group that's tough uh, match weeks so this could be a rough run of games for uh, Austria Vienne and their fans almost at Salzburg, Salzburg. probably not going to be a tough run of game for Salzburg <laughs> they win a lot is there such a thing yeah and then obviously you know we've talked about them in the podcast and group stage right now they have one point from two games and hasn't looked haven't looked very yeah, good. They drew Beersheba at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and then got demolished by Lech on the Yeah, that's on not the road. good. It's not and good. what's interesting, though, is you look at both those games. This will tie in nicely to the next mm-hmm. section I have, which is about their tactics. They have held over 50% possession in both those games. They've outshot their opponents in both those games. And that's true about almost every game they played this year. They mm-hmm. love, love, like passing the ball love around. to have the ball. Yep, and most of it... Very toothless. Mm. You know, uh, they... It's just like, have possession for possessions. sake, so the other team can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. But then defensively, they've allowed a ton of goals this year. They've allowed over a goal and a half per game. So, I don't know if it's really working for them. Yeah. But I think part of the issue is that they use both their fullbacks to create a lot of width. Mm-hmm. And they have them pretty high up the pitch when they're maintaining possession. So, their center backs is good as they can be are kind of left just the two of them when they do turn the ball over and these teams are ready to just run and break on them and ends up being three on two four on two quite often mm-hmm. that sounds like a pretty simple tactical problem to, to mm-hmm. resolve it's just to stick them back a little bit it's pretty well it's pretty like that's pretty common like where they think they're city or something and should just yeah and they're just not can attack good enough two to be able backs, to do that yeah. i think you know because on one hand if you are the best team in the league you should be able to do this no problem. Mm-hmm. But Austria aren't. Yeah. And I don't think you can play like you are the best team in the league and try to keep that play style up and beat everybody 3-0. Have they ever used a 3, back 3? They... A 3-5-2 or something? It's been, they've been listed as a back 3 uh-huh. in a couple games in Europe. Uh-huh. But then they actually just end up in a 4-3-3 mm-hmm. or a 4-2-3-1. I feel like that... I mean, which are the most common seems like an well. obvious way to solve your... You know, counterattacking problems. Yeah, and you build up with an extra center back. Yeah. Okay. Part of it is so, there's 
fullbacks also have played center back before. Right, Marvin Martins is their starting left back, and he plays center back for Luxembourg. Mm. But even then, when you watch him defensively, you're a little like, really, that guy can play center back? <laughs> he's so much, I think he's just much better going forward, mm-hmm. and the same show on the right side. And I just think they just get kind of caught up in possession and almost forget that they have to play defense too, because they're holding the ball for 65% of the game. And. Uh, I'm not particularly pleased when I watch them play because it doesn't feel exciting. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of action. And they're goals, you know, because they are bad at defense and good at scoring. Mm-hmm. But it do- it's not an exciting goal-scoring game. Yeah. Uh, but slow. Slow, yeah. But when I have seen them go a little more direct, not super direct, not like lump it and chase, right? But just going a little more kind of like a fluid counterattack and quicker passes, linking up and not lingering on the ball, just get the ball, two dribbles, pass. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of, uh, like, dribble-dribble pass in basketball. Dribble-dribble pass. Yeah. Uh, it th- That's when I think they look their best and when they look most likely to score because they have a pretty quick front line. Gruber and Fitz have been pretty good this year, and they're both pretty athletic. So I think that they could play a little more direct and fall prey to this kind of Austria we need to have the ball we need to be the glamorous side that dominates every aspect of the game and looks good doing it mm-hmm. and it's making them lose points throughout the season I will say uh, in their defense I really really enjoyed the game they played in Poland where Lech smacked them around yeah <laughs> that was quite fun it was, uh, Lech looked really good there. Lech looked great. Really I good. Really, so there was at least one game they played this year that was exciting. Yeah. For the other team, though. For the other team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of their better players, though, guys at the start of the year that I... Because I originally wrote this script before when we were, like, two games into the season. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't even started the group stage yet. Because then we just got caught up in, you know, the production timeline. Right. But... Life, you know. Life, it gets in the way. It happens. But some of the guys I point out were Marvin Martins, the fullback, who I thought he would be very key to the way they played and keeping that possession. A Luxemburger. A Luxemburger. You, it just makes him inherently fun, which is part of the reason I put him on the list. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like he's from Luxembourg, and that's cool. But he, I don't think he's been very good this year, so I would definitely take him off of my better players list. Mm-hmm. Lucas Mool, who's a center back, even though defensively they've struggled for a while now, he individually is pretty good. But he just seems like a little scared to put in tackles sometimes, which when you're getting into these three-on-two, four-on-two situations, I feel like you need to do it. He never picks up cards, and it's not in like the Maldini type of way where he's like, oh, I'm just always in the right spot. If I have to make a tackle, I've messed up. You're telling me this guy isn't Maldini? He's not Maldini. <laughs> but it's just he gets in positions where he needs to make a tackle, and then he doesn't because wow. he just kind of backs away. Interesting. But he is like... I still think he has the ability to be a slightly higher level than he is right now. Center back, I think he's really can be really good. Mm-hmm. He just needs to kind of get over that and kind of. What are his strengths then? If he's not super he, athletic. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say a center a good, back who doesn't like to tackle isn't a yeah. great sign. He's also a really good ball playing center back. He I can see. Okay. Pass the ball really well. That makes sense for how they want to play yeah. then. And it's a tough guy to win headers against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big. So I, he has all the bits to be a really good center back. He just needs to be a little more assertive and a little aggressive. 
I say this as if I'm a coach. I'm not yeah, a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, if his coach is telling him to do something else, he's probably right. Let's call him up. Well, but, his coach doesn't seem to be that good so far. Yeah. So. Then Matthias Brounder in their midfield he hasn't been spectacular, but he's only 20. Huh? And he is his first season as the main starter. Is he Austrian? He is. He's cool. played for the. He's on the U21 team currently. A and, lifer. Yeah. I believe he could be a player on the Austrian national team as well in the future. He looks pretty promising for them. I think he does, does a little bit of everything. I think he can mesh into almost any system you ask him to play. I think he's at his best when they're in their kind of 4-2-3-1 and he gets to sit a little deeper than when they're in their 4-3-3 and they play more of a flat midfield. So I think if... Better than a double pivot. Mm-hmm. One second. <laughs> Had a bit of congestion there, so we can cut that out. Yeah, some of the guys they brought in this summer, uh, Harris Tabatovic, they brought him in on a free from Austria Lustenau. He was the top scorer in the second division last year. Mm. And he got off to a really hot start, but he's kind of been passed by Dominic Fritz as the main striker for them. So we'll see if he gets that spot back or if he's going to continue being like a super sub. But he seems to have adjusted really well. To the top division. They also brought in three players from LOSC who weren't like the best players on LOSC, which mm-hmm. I think kind of speaks to where they are as a club. Mm-hmm. You it's know, a they're depressing. what was it? This is kind of depressing. It is a little depressing. Like they're not they're not a bad team. They're still yeah. a top half Austrian team. Like they're fighting it's just mm-hmm. you know, it feels like LOSC and Salzburg have kind of pushed on yeah. in a way the rest of the league hasn't. Interesting with Losk. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected that from no. the team I, I would have considered like fourth or fifth in the tier. Yeah, and they missed Europe last year, but yeah. this year they've kind of bounced back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they've made a slight run in the Europa League a couple years ago. Yeah, I think so the, the doing this podcast has given me a little appreciation for a league like Austria that's maybe, like maybe not a lot of teams other than Salzburg are really going to compete in Europe, but it's deeper than I would have given it credit for before. Definitely. Like, we've seen Sturm Graz look pretty decent, mm-hmm. except in uh, in the Netherlands recently. No. At the time of recording. Wolfsburg um, have looked good in the league sometimes. Yeah, not right now. Not, yeah, not they right now. They do often make Europe, though. Yeah, they made Europe and then uh, went out in not the best fashion. But... Yeah, yeah there's some good you know, there's sides There's some good here. sides in there. I do... The bottom, like, few teams in the Probably league... Probably pretty bad. Really bad. Yeah. And part of that is I actually found this out during my research. I didn't know this at all. But the Austrian top flight has really, really strict rules for who they'll give uh, rights to play in the league to. So mm. you have to have a certain type of stadium, certain seats, certain amenities in the stadium. Your club has to have certain financial markets, has to have a certain number of staff and players, everything like that. To be able to play in the top flight. To be able to play in the top flight. That's interesting. So it isn't, it's not common, but yeah. there have been times where teams that have won the second division can't go go up because they're not eligible to be promoted oh. because they don't fit all those markers. Seems a little harsh. So then it's just like, okay, well, who's second and third, blah, blah, blah. And they have a playoff with whoever stays up. I feel like you don't usually see that in domestic leagues. Mm. I mean, like the top leagues, I'm sure, have very basic requirements. Like I know Venice had to do something to their stadium. Yeah, most top leagues have stadium requirements. And yeah. I think a lot of them will have staff requirements too and say like, you can't just have one coach. Yeah, <laughs> that seems a little harsh for a league like that. But mm-hmm. but I wonder if that's kind of helped the mid table in Austria stabilize themselves because mm-hmm. that threat of relegation is a little less. Mm-hmm. But do you just not get relegated, or does the person, the team, like it results in a playoff? Okay. So instead of automatic 
promotion uh-huh. and relegation, you have to then play off whatever team would be eligible. Oh, interesting. Or whatever team would be next yeah. eligible. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, but yeah, some of, back to some of their transfers that they brought in over the summer. The guys from Lost, they brought in James Holland, who is a 33-year-old defensive midfielder, and he's playing almost every game for them. And he didn't play that much for Lost last year. Mm. They also brought in Andreas Gruber, who he's actually been pretty good. He plays on the right. I think he's been a really, really good addition for them. He adds a lot to their attack. The Groobs. The Groobs. Uh, he didn't really play at Lasker over the last two years, mm. but that was mostly because of injuries. He suffered a pretty big ligament injury that kept him out for, I think, a whole year and then had trouble just kind of getting back into the swing as Lasker fighting to get into the promotion or the championship group and then fighting to mm-hmm. make Europe. But this is a good chance, I think, for him to kind of revitalize his career. He should be, he's around 26, 27, he should be in like the prime of his career. So, and he's playing pretty well, I think, good chance for him to kind of bring himself back up to the quality that he knows he can be, and it's a good signing, it looks like, for Austria. Uh, another one they brought in, Marco Raguz, 24-year-old forward. They paid a decent amount of money for them, for him, but he hasn't played yet, he's just been injured. Oh, shit. And as everything I tried to, about a million, I think. Okay. Everything I've seen for his injury is just like, it's unknown. <laughs> right. So he did have a ACL injury in 2020, though, so it's probably connected to that. But, you know, similar to Gruber, he just hasn't really come back from that mm-hmm. yet. Uh, they brought in Fructal, the goalkeeper from Bayern. Yeah, right. And, you know, last few games he's been playing better. I thought he got off to a horrible start. Mm. Just, I thought he was so bad. But, you know, he's looking like he's kind of meshing a little better. And then the last player they brought in was Martin Baltaka. It's an X in there. Made me think, oh, maybe it's Bosque or something. He's from Israel, so I don't know how they would pronounce that. No idea. I've literally never seen him play. (laughs) He hasn't played yet. He's also injured. They brought in a lot of injured guys. Yeah. Taking some risks, but literally never seen him play. No idea how he does play, but... We'll see. They also brought in a couple loans. Reinhard Raftel from Schalke. He is already a starter for them next to Mool. So he looks pretty good. And then Polster and Cumentio, two guys they loaned in. Polster from Stuttgart, Cumentio from Liverpool. Their backups haven't really played that much. Mm. But on the out, the big outs was that they lost all their goalkeepers. Oh, no. So they lost Penz, who was their main goalkeeper last year. He went to Reims in Ligue 1. So that's you know shows the quality that he was and losing him tough. They brought in Fructal who could definitely get to that level, I think, but he's just not there yet. Is he young? He's young. Fructal right? twenty two. He almost twenty two. Okay. Yeah. So he's got a lot of time to grow. Uh, they lost Demaku to Sturmgras, rotation player. Mostly, most these are just rotation players. Did these Austri- these top fish shelf Austrian teams just like exchange rotation players every year? Yes. They just shuffled them around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the two big losses though, outside of their goalkeepers. Were Eric Martel, who was on loan from Leipzig, mm. and they brought him back from his loan and then sold him to Köln. Mm. So he was a key player in their double pivot last year, but his departures allowed Brownner to kind of take that spot. So I don't think it's as awful a loss. And the other one was Noah Ohio, who Noah made, Ohio. It's just a great name. <laughs> uh, he. As he's an attacker, but he didn't score very much. He wasn't very good last year. Mm. But his name is incredible. So I'm just going to... He also was loaned from Leipzig, which is weird that 
Leipzig are loaning players to compete against their against their feeder club. Yeah, but I guess it it does make sense though because it's going to give them a chance to play first team football, and it also gives Salzburg better opponents yeah. to play against so they can get better and better and better and better and better. We've already talked a little bit about the league as a whole, but kind of do a little more on it, right? So this year, they got five spots in European competitions, and Salzburg, when they made the Champions League group stages, mm-hmm. have already been pretty good. They got draws against Chelsea and Milan. Yeah. So I don't know. Did you watch any of their performances? Um, I watched some of their, some of the Milan fixture, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't really watch the Chelsea one, but they looked, uh, I'd say marginally the better side against Milan for a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. At home, of course. Um, especially in the first half. They kind of bopped the first half. Um, but we know yeah, but we know what Salzburg are about these days and how they like to play. They've actually, in the last two years, so far they've been more successful than Leipzig. Yeah. Um, which isn't totally fair because Leipzig did make the semifinals a couple years ago. But uh, I think it definitely highlights their, their prowess that not only can that, you know, how hard it is for these other Austrian teams to compete in any European competition, especially the Europa League, is seems like too big for a lot of them, um, and that they're trying to compete domestically with a team that, you know, can get out of their Champions League groups now. Is I think, is a pretty it's pretty stark. Yeah, Salzburg got out. What was it like, two years ago? One year ago? Last year. Last year. Yeah. For the first time. Yes, and honestly, I wouldn't be that surprised. They might have won the group. It was a bad group. It was a bad group. But still. Yeah. And then went out to Byron, who obviously yeah, they went out to Byron. Byron. But, they, but they gave them a, you know, they gave them a game. One they game. Drew, yeah, they drew the first game. Like, yeah. yeah. And then they got beat, what, 7 nothing or something? 6 mm, I nothing. I don't, yeah. 6 it, 1, something like that. Five, I don't know. But, yeah. But uh, but it's it's Byron, so yeah. <laughs> you can't, that definitely, can't criticize them for that definitely That definitely highlights the challenges that these other Austrian teams are facing mm-hmm. now without actually being able to compete for the title anymore. Yeah. Especially because as the money pours in, that means Red Bull don't have to invest as much, so they're able to save a little bit, and then if they miss the Champions League group stages one year, suddenly, oh, well, we have all this stuff in the coffers yeah. now. So it's going to be tough for teams to it, compete it's against. Ugly. Fix your car. Fix your shit, bitch. 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 Well, this is good podcasting. We're doing your room next time, for for real. Really specific alarm. It's a fancy car. Is that a Jaguar? How much do you think Denzel Dumfries would be worth? They sold them right now? Yeah. A decent amount. What did they buy? What did Ginger buy them for? 30? I think it might have been 20 something. Yeah. Probably more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends what yes. league it goes to, but I don't know, 40s? Okay. There's reports of him having a 45.5 pound, million pound price tag for Chelsea and United. Yeah. I can see that. Went for 25. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
22. Yeah, I could see him going for 50 in England for sure. Alright, ready? But yeah, it looks pretty ugly for, for the Austrian league these days. Yeah, well, the league's coefficient has actually been well, rising. Well, right, that's the one, because, that's the one benefit of yeah, Red Bull. Yeah. Just because of Salzburg. So if they could get to the point where they're able to get two teams into mm-hmm. a group stage, or maybe two teams into the Europa League group stages, mm-hmm. I think there's a chance for a team like Sturm Graz or Lask, who seem the most likely to challenge, because mm-hmm. Austria and Rapid have been... It's been struggling. Yeah, been kind of spinning their wheels and not going anywhere mm-hmm. recently. But... The other teams in Europe this year, Sturm Graz, are in Group F, and they picked up a win. In the Europa League. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they picked up a win against Michelin. Uh, Very impressively. Yeah. I mean, they got trounced by Feyenoord. We covered it on but, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they got trounced by Feyenoord. We also covered that. Um, but that's that Group F seems kind of crazy, so maybe there's a chance for Sturm Graz to pick up some more points, at least get to the Conference League mm-hmm. knockouts, finish third yeah, in their group. Yeah, I think group. that's very possible. Mm-hmm. Especially with having a win against Michelin, right. who I think will probably be the other team fighting for third place mm-hmm. in that group. And then, obviously, uh, Austria, Conference League, one point so far from two games doesn't look good for them. No. But they're still, they're still getting some money. And Rapid. Rapid got <laughs> bounced by Vaduz. They sure did in qualifying. Yes. They didn't even make the groups because mm. they lost to a second division Swiss side. Yeah. And... Pretty crazy. Or Lichtensteinian side in the in Swiss, Swiss League. League. Yeah. My apologies. Pretty crazy game that one was. And, you know, they got, kind of got outplayed, too. Yeah. It yeah. really felt like Bedouz it. does to you. Especially in the second half. First half, maybe not. But second half, Bedouz were great. Yeah. Uh, and Rapid just kind of fell. But we covered that. Fell apart, yeah. We covered that. The other, the fifth team, though, was Wolfsburg, who mm-hmm. also went out in qualifiers. This time to Molda. After mm-hmm. struggling to get through Hamrun from Malta to even yeah. get to the playoffs yeah, for the group stage of the Conference League. And, really bad. Yeah. They managed a draw in Norway and then yeah. got but we, demolished. But we also covered home. that yeah. one. But Molda had like 20 shots on goal in that game. I think it was 18, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more. I think they won that game, actually, 1 0. Did they win it 1 0? Yeah. yeah. And then. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. Right. Uh, that was just a total fluke, though. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the only way the Austrian league continues to grow is as much as Austrian fans might not want to support Salzburg, mm-hmm. they might need to in Europe. Because if Salzburg can routinely start getting out of groups, there's a chance for them to pick up a second team in the group stage or a second two teams into the Europa League group stage and maybe fill out some more in the Conference League. Mm-hmm. But that really seems like the only way for the league to grow. Mm-hmm. And their coefficient is actually at one of the highest points it's ever been because mostly entirely because of Salzburg. Right. Um, just kind of feels like they're pulling away. But LOSC, who are not in Europe this year, they made a bit of a run recently. They've done well in Europe as opposed to a lot of the other teams who struggle when they get to the group stages. LOSC went out in the round of 16 mm-hmm. of the Conference League last year, won their group. And a couple years ago in 1920, they went to the round of 16 in the Europa League. So there's like... I thought a, you said in 1920. I was yeah. like, just a couple of years ago? Yeah, just a couple of years ago in 1920. <laughs> so there's like a chance for these Austrian teams to get out of groups. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not totally adrift from getting out of Europa League groups or even getting to a Champions League group. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like it's going to be at least a couple of years of this. When was the last time football. somebody was in the Champions League group that wasn't Salzburg? I believe it was Austria. It was Austria in 20... 20- 
2013. 13? Yeah. And the, they put in a decent performance, right? Five points isn't terrible. No. I mean, Very they came respectable. last, but yeah. Uh, it's a tough group. And then, talking of Austria as a whole, the national team just got relegated from Group A. Mm. Almost sent France down instead of them. Mm-hmm. But weren't they put able. up a decent fight there. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that was a t- you know yeah, Croatia a t- and uh, Denmark were also in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough one, much easier than Group A with Italy, Germany, and England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hungary just dominated that group. Yeah, not, not much to say there. Pretty predictable that Hungary would have won that group. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, but you know the last time the national team made the World Cup? Uh, no. Nineteen ninety-eight. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that because and like they you know who's coach of the Austrian national team though, Ralph Raniak. Ralph Raniak. Yeah. So um, maybe there's a little. Maybe this podcast really is about Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> it's they just have their hands on everything they in Austrian do. football right now. It's so hard to avoid them. Yes. It's so hard to avoid them right now, um, but you know maybe there's a chance for the national team. To put forward good performances because their Euro performances have been getting better. Yeah, you know? felt they were quite, uh, they were quite disappointing tactics-wise. I think for the last couple of years, but now with Renyak in charge, you already saw a bit of a spark uh, creatively and tactically with the with the press. Mm-hmm. And you always like to see a national team like doing something a little different and not playing like turgid, boring yeah. shit. You know, As, that's um, always welcome on an international level. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they've qualified for three of the last four Euros, mm-hmm. having, I think they missed like five or six in a row before that, too. Mm-hmm. So th- they're trending in the right direction, I think, and we'll probably see them in the World Cup in 2026 with the expanded You'd think so. selection. I'd imagine they'll yeah. at least be close to qualifying if mm-hmm. they don't make it. But, did, you know, they got up to number 10 in national ranking. I did not know that. Yeah, in like 2015 somehow. Just because of David Alaba? Yeah, <laughs> like just because of him, probably. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else in Austria from that, from that era of team. Like Arnautovic wasn't good yet. Uh, like, God, I, I not off the top of my head. No. And it's not like I could go look up rosters because they weren't making the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm like, how did they get up there? So, I can't go to just Wikipedia Austria World Cup squad. Yeah. Like you can with a lot of these teams, but I don't know how they got all the way up there. They're down in like 30 now, which mm. feels about right. More appropriate. Yeah, for them, but maybe Raffle do something interesting with them. Mm-hmm. But now that you've learned a little bit about Austria, what do you think they're going to do in the uh, Conference League this year? Um, I'm trying to remember who else is in. And I think they're going to get eliminated. Uh, yeah. Probably could finish last in the group, to be honest, because mm-hmm. they didn't get a, they didn't get the three points against Beersheba uh, at home. Um, and you have to think, it's going to be a tough one for them to go to Beersheba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Israel is a tough place to go for. Yeah, you wouldn't. You saw Villarreal even uh, struggle with that atmosphere a little bit. Um, obviously, they're going to lose both games to Villarreal, so it'll come down to the home fixture against Lech and away in Israel. And the way they're looking, you can't really favor them in either of those. Um, maybe they pick up three points or a point in each, but four points isn't going to be enough. Um, even if they, even if they get another win, so I think it's looking pretty dire for them and. Maybe it's for the best, so they can focus on, you know, European places again, in, in, in the in the league. Um, yeah, I do think their games against Villarreal might be interesting because they're not gonna play the typical, like shut up shop and try to defend for ninety minutes 
thing. So from a neutral perspective, it might be an interesting game to watch. Yeah, yeah, to see what Villarreal can do against that kind of setup. Uh-huh. Or if because Villarreal defensively haven't been superb, no, like, been I could see Austria goals, yeah. grabbing a couple mm-hmm. as well in that game and making it. You know, I still expect them to lose both times, but mm-hmm. maybe it'll be something that's fun maybe to watch. At least on yeah. the home fixture, they'll go for it. Yeah, like a little four-two could mm-hmm. be more entertaining than people would expect with the quality gap between those teams mm-hmm. but yeah I agree with you it doesn't look like they're going to be getting out of this group and no. you have to hope that home against Leck maybe is the best chance for a win yeah. Leck looks like looks looks pretty good yeah <laughs> um, yeah and like domestically you'd have to think that you know fourth is maybe their best bet at the, they just have to focus on getting into that championship group right now yeah, they're already ten points behind first and six yeah, well, points behind yeah. Lask and Sterngras. Yeah, so that, they're not going to catch them probably, no, it, especially I mean, unless they somehow beat Lask and Sterngras back to back, you know. Um, yeah, but, those, those next four games feel yeah, super crucial. They do. You know, if they could at least get six points from that, like you know. Yeah, eighteen points you after eleven games. You beat Rapid, and then you beat one of the other two. Maybe you draw the other one. Six or seven points seems like a like a good target. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like they'll be putting up a title challenge, but I... Not at all. I think... Or even, look a, at, even a top three challenge, I don't think. I was thinking, though, when you look at the other teams that are fighting for the top six uh-huh. spots, like, they should be better than Wolfsburg. They should be better than Osho, Lusten, uh Yeah, you'd say so. Yeah, Lusten now. That's how the word ends. <laughs> um, and I think Rapid should also be up there as well. They're only one point behind... Uh-huh in right now yeah I think the top six should be still be attainable for them yeah. but I'd, I'd be very disappointed if they don't make top six and mm-hmm. you know the way the top six is shaping up it will probably be really close fighting for those fourth and fifth spots in the championship group so I think they could definitely squeak in there mm-hmm. and get back into Europe for next year and then give them a platform to build off of keep the manager see if he can adapt a little bit and Give us something... Or they could lose those four games and the manager could be sacked. He could, yeah. (laughs) So, I feel like there's a lot of question marks around the club right now. And they've been spinning their wheels, need to kick it up into a higher gear to start pedaling up the the mountain that is the Austrian Bundesliga table. For such a historic club, too. Yeah, probably the second biggest club in Austria. You'd hope for for more. Also, the reason I chose them, them, that I haven't said yet, is Mm -hmm. because... They do a really good job of using purple in their yeah. logo and kits, and I really Purple's like it. Purple's great. Purple's great. Oh, man. It's an underutilized color, and I think that's how we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. And, you know, the Wiener Derby, really good looking. Yeah. Green purple and, purple and green and white stripes. That's yeah. a great combo. Oh, Unorthodox. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Good for the Wieners. Yeah. Love a good looking Wiener. <laughs> Love a Wiener. Um, they need to perform a little, a little better, though, mm-hmm. those Wieners. Yeah, their performances have looked a little soft recently. They have looked a little soft. And it harden up. Yeah. Toughen up, uh, stick it into high gear, and uh, yeah. and, and, and power through. Yeah, people compared the Austrian Bundesliga to the Alps quite often, <laughs> with Salzburg on the top right now. and uh, Austria need to get their mountain climbing gear and start pulling their own weight. And start, start masturbating. Well, no, I don't. Oh, we're not still doing a wiener? And, you know, there's it's a level of professionalism that we don't cross, <laughs> and masturbation jokes is where we draw the line. Oh, uh, okay, all right. I'm kidding. Yeah. We 
make all those jokes. <laughs> all right, any closing any closing thoughts on on Austria? As um, just a concept, you know? As a concept? A country. kind of like it. Um, one thing that often does get brought up when we're talking about Austria as a concept mm-hmm. is Hofstadt, the kind of region within the country where we have the earliest proto-Celtic artifacts that we have. So I think it shows just the impact that Austria as a concept has had on European culture oh, in general. Yeah. So it's proto-Celtic people is populated. Most of Europe, they were super influential in to this day in what we think of as European culture. So Also Hitler. Yeah, him, him too. Kind of influential for opposite reasons. No, he's from Austria, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, Never forget, Hitler is uh, Austrian. Wiener Schnitzel. Wiener Schnitzel is good. So good. I love Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, what else is good in Austria? Uh, um, Vienna Lager. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, uh, what apple, was strudel? It? apple strudel. Apple strudel, really um, good. Their coffee houses supposed um, to be really nice. The what's his name? Um, the uh, the the uh, he wrote operas. Uh, Wagner. Wagner's Austrian, yeah. I think. Yeah. Is he Austrian? I, I think German. so. I think he's Austrian. Maybe. Well, I'm not gonna fact check that. <laughs> yeah, they so, were they were a big part for classical music in the 18th century. So Wagner yeah. probably at least visited. Austria I think he's, to I think he's from Austria, the, but you know what? We're, we're not going to fact check because we're not that kind of podcast. No. And it's we'll, not sports related. We'll leave you with an easy thing to Google that I'm probably wrong about. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, was David's presentation of Austria at the end. I tried to Google Wagner and I just typed in Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, Richard Wagner is he's from Leipzig. Fuck. But, you know. Fuck. He did, he did go to Vienna, though. Fucked up. So. Alright. It's a good way to end the podcast. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers to, cheers what, to the gaffer. Whatever, whatever, whatever we say at the end. Fuck me. <laughs>